All right. Grab your Bibles. Turn with me to John 21. John 21. Does anybody need a lesson? Does anybody need a lesson? Raise your hand if you need a lesson. We want to make sure you get a lesson. I need somebody to help me pass them out. Law dog, where you at? Right here. Got one on the, on the side. Anybody else helping? There we go. Let's get them lessons out. Raise your hand. Hold them up high. Wave them like you just don't care. <clears throat> there we go. Make sure we get everybody get get a lesson here. All right. Everybody good in the balcony? Everybody good in the balcony? All right. All right. Wave at me if you hear me. All right. There we go. Miss Cindy, you don't hear me? You didn't wave. I see that. Okay. All right. All right. There we go. All right. Now, in the back, in the back, Johnny, in the back, there's still a hand up back there. I saw it. Okay. Now, everybody's got a lesson and everybody's in John 21. Say amen. amen. Okay. How many of y'all tonight, <clears throat> how many of y'all tonight are glad that God is a second chance God? Amen. Woo, man. After this lesson tonight, you will be glad. Amen. Uh, the Bible says that if any man come unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Thank the Lord. For no reason, no shape, no form, no how, no how. He is a God that is a keeper, amen? He is a second chance God. I'm so glad for second chances. So let's, let's look in John 21. We covered last week, if y'all remember, uh, John 21 is broken up into three parts. John, uh, Peter, and it's the focus is on the apostle Peter. He is the leader. Uh, he is the one that, that God has designated to, to take the lead role uh, in, in going into the new, the new church age and uh, the age of grace. And, and so he's focusing on him. Peter's had issues. Amen. Amen. Peter, Peter's had issues. And so he, he is addressing that. And last week we talked about Peter's rebuke. He disobeyed. He went back fishing, maybe because of frustration, maybe because of fear, lack of faith. Whatever the issue was, he went back to his old way. He went back doing his old thing. And uh, his old commission, his old calling, his old career, whatever you want to call it, that God had already called him from. He called him from being a fisherman of fi or a fisher of fish to a fisher of men and uh, from being a fisherman to a shepherd, to a, a, a leader, a spiritual leader. And we, we, we studied last week. If you didn't get that, that's a great, great study. Uh, if you feel like that you can walk out on God and, and, and leave God and do your own thing after you've trusted in Christ, uh, we learned last week that God will find you. God will find you. It will not be pleasant. You, you will not be successful going back to the old way. And thank God he rebuked him. Thank God that God got his attention and brought him back. Now, now we're going to talk tonight about Peter's restoration. Peter's restoration. Uh, restoring Peter to the place where he needed to be. Man, I am so glad that God doesn't throw us out. He's in the business of restoring us. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Next week, Lord's willing, we're going to talk about Peter's reminder, the last part of John chapter number 21. So let's begin. Let's begin. Uh, uh, they, they have caught the fish, drugged the fish to shore, Jesus is on the shore with the food and, and the meal and, and ministering to them. He said, come and dine. He's giving them something to eat. And, and so we're, we're going to begin in verse 15. Verse number 15. When you get there, say amen. amen. 
So when they had dined, this is, this is Peter and, and uh, uh, several of the, the, the disciples that went with him. And when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter. He designates Simon, picks him out. Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved. This bothered Peter. He was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. <clears throat> thank you for the privilege we have to study it. Uh, Lord, an outline is good. It, it, it makes it easier to follow and to learn. But it's irrelevant, and, and Lord, it is of no use if your Holy Spirit does not touch this service. I pray for your spirit. I pray for your anointing. I pray for your power. I pray for an unction from glory. Lord, don't let me be in the flesh. Don't let me get carnal. Don't let me say something I'm not supposed to. But Lord, don't let me forget something that's important. Don't let me forget something I need to say and I should say. Help us to learn from this. Help us to grow. I pray that you will, you will just develop uh, uh, our, our Christian walk to be stronger and Lord to love you even more today than we have ever before. And God will thank you for it and we'll praise you for it. In Jesus name we pray and all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. <clears throat> I want to do this in the first part of your lesson. The first page is really a review. Uh, I want to go back. I want to go back throughout uh, some bits and pieces of Peter's life so you will understand uh, why this restoration process is so important and why what he is doing here on the, on the shore of the Sea of Galilee is so critical to what's going on. What was this even, why was this even necessary? Why did, why, did he, why did he pick out Simon Peter? They were all in the boat. They all went fishing. They all backslid, if you will. Uh, why did he pick out Simon Peter? Why, why was it that Peter was focused on in this, in this address and in this whole chapter? Uh, you know, we kind of we deal with Peter a lot, but do you realize that all of the disciples abandoned Jesus? All of them did. Not just Peter. They all did. And, and, and so, but why is it so significant that we always talk about Peter's denial? We always talk about, uh, uh, you know, Peter, do you love me? This, this confrontation that we have uh, where Jesus is confronting Peter. Why is it Peter? Why is this so significant? So let's, let's go back. Let's go back and look at a few things to understand why that Jesus had to have this talk with the apostle Peter. All right? The first thing you're going to see, if you're taking notes, in, your, in, your, uh, uh, in the intro, right, the first thing I want you to write down is Peter's confession. Write that word down. Peter's confession. The Bible says in Matthew 16, 13, when Jesus came in, and it's right there in your notes, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? 
And he said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. This is Peter's confession. Jesus is wanting to know what are people thinking? What are people saying? Who do you think that I am? And, and they say various answers, you know, some John the Baptist uh, come back from the dead. Maybe some think that you're a prophet. And by the way, some still think that Jesus was just a prophet. And, 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 and that was significant. But he says, I need to know what do you think? Who do you think I am? It, it, it's irrelevant what the world thinks. What do you think of Christ? And Peter said, man stood up without any question, without any delay. He said, we believe that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, hey, flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my father, which is in heaven. And let me tell you this, you will never have that confession. You will never come to Christ. You will never be saved without the Holy Spirit drawing you and revealing Christ to you. And we see his confession. We believe thou art the Christ. He's confessing Christ. He's confessing Christ. Christ is pleased with his confession. And he reveals to him, you didn't come up, that, you didn't come up with that all by yourself. God revealed this to you. God revealed this to you. But then we see the second part is in the same verses. It's in the same chapter in the same verses. We see Peter's commission. Write that down. We see Peter's commission. Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed the Son to thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And he tells Peter, you got a job. He said, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. He said, what you shall loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. What you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. In other words, this is the thing. This is the thing. When we look through the Gospels and we see the character Peter and we see the things that he does and the things that he says, how many of y'all would agree with me that Peter had a personality? And I'm saying that <laughs> very conservatively, amen? He had a personality, probably had a temper, probably, probably had issues with people. He was probably abrasive to people. I mean, he, he, he probably didn't get, didn't get along all the time. And, and, and so he had a personality. But how many of y'all would agree, too, that Peter had problems? One was his mouth. Saying stuff he shouldn't say and, 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 and getting into issues that he couldn't. I mean, at one time, I mean, y'all are looking at me kind of funny. At one time, God, Jesus looked at Peter and said, get thee behind me. When Jesus has to call you the devil, you got issues. Amen? I mean, we're looking at this guy that's got a personality issue. He's, got, he's probably got a temper. He's a cussing fisherman. And he's got problems after problems. He's got to be rebuked by Jesus. But you know what? Even with all that, Jesus saw potential. Even with the personality issues, even with problems, Jesus saw potential in Peter. Peter was picked out of all of them for this responsibility. He says, you're, going to have to, you're not just going to be a disciple. You're not just going to turn the world upside down. I've got a specific job for you. I'm going to give you the key. And, and, and he did. He, who, who stood on the day of Pentecost and saw thousands say? Come on, I, I can't even hear you. It wasn't John. It wasn't the one who, who put his head on Jesus' chest to hear his heart beat. It wasn't the one that, the, the disciple that Jesus loved. It wasn't the, the smart one. It wasn't the educated one. It was cussing Peter. 
Y'all with me? He unlocked the door of salvation. He had the keys of the kingdom. He unlocked the door of salvation to the Jews in Acts 2, to the Samaritans in Acts 8, and to the Gentiles in Acts 10. He had a great commission, a job. He was set apart by Jesus himself to accomplish something great. He had potential, and he had a specific purpose. That was his commission. We see a confession we see a commission. Everything looks good so far, right? He's confessed Christ. He's, he's been commissioned by Christ. Jesus said, you're going to do something very important. But then we see his carelessness. Peter's carelessness. You can, you can have a lot of potential and have an important job to do for Jesus and still be careless. His calling, his confession, his experience, got to walk on water, got to go and see a, 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 a dead person raised back from the dead, uh, the, 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 the uh, three amigos, I say, Peter, James, and John, got to go see things that the other disciples didn't get. They got to go on the Mount of Transfiguration and see the glory of God shine through Jesus. And man, they had, they, they had experiences like none other, but he still was careless. Jesus tried to warn him. Matter of fact, Jesus warned all of them. He said, now listen, tonight, tonight, uh, y'all are going to be offended. And y'all are going to scatter. They're going to smite the shepherd and the sheep are going to scatter. You're all going to be offended to me. Peter stands up, whoa, 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 slow down, slow down, slow down. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I tell you what, as a matter of fact, all these may be offended, but I'll, here's that word, never. How many of y'all know never say never? Right? Never say never. I'm never going to, uh-uh. I mean, he's saying that to the one who called Lazarus out of the grave. He's saying that to the one who he saw walk on water and look up and calm the storm. How many of y'all have ever argued with God before? Man, there's some lying going on in the house of the Lord tonight. I'm going to ask this question again. How many of y'all have ever argued with God before? There you go. And the rest of you still lying. Jesus looks at him. Because the Bible says vehement. Vehemently. He got angry. I mean, just the thought. Just the thought of Jesus accusing Peter of denying and, and what? He said this. He said this. Look, Peter. Satan has desired to have thee. That he may sift you as wheat. But I've prayed for you. That thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, the word converted there is not mean saved. Some people say, well, that means, that means be saved. It means to turn. You can be saved and be going the wrong direction. And that's what was happening because he was arrogant and he was full of himself. And he wasn't ready to be used by God. And he thought he could. When you think you can, you can't. 
But when God got his attention and turned him back the right way, that's what that means, turn. When thou art converted, when thou art turned to go back the right way, strengthen your brethren. And he did, by the way. Who do you think wrote? Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion, roameth about, seeking whom he may devour. It was Peter that wrote that. You know why he wrote that? Because he had teeth marks back here. He knew what it felt like to be hunted down by a lion. He knew what it felt like to have Satan's claws in you. He knew what it felt like to be tempted and trying to be drawn aside by the devil. And you know what he did? After God restored him and brought him back, after he turned, he spent the rest of his life strengthening the brethren. But he got careless. He got careless. I... I was brought up pretty sheltered, pretty sheltered and disciplined, and but pretty sheltered. I remember, I remember the first time. I remember the first. It's so weird. It's so weird because I, I would venture to say my kids have never felt what I felt. And I remember the first time that I heard about a church member getting a divorce, and I cried. Because that was unheard of. Christians don't do that. That's not, that's not what saved people do. You can't, what? It was, it was so far from, I mean, as I grew up, I realized that this world's not perfect and it's, a, it's just a difficult, and, and I, was, I was 18 years old. I just turned 18 years old. And I heard about, I heard about, a pastor, not a pastor, he's an evangelist that I used to look up to big time. Man, he could preach the paint off the walls. Incredible preacher. And I heard that he had committed an affair. He had an affair with another preacher's wife and I mean, I cried again. I mean, I was like sick for three days. It just, I, I just, wait, wait, what? That don't happen to And I was talking with another pastor. I said, man, this bothers me. He said, well, how do you feel about it? I said, you mean be honest? I said, I'll tell you, this is how I feel. I'm scared to death. I'm nowhere near as good a Christian as he was. If that happened to him, I don't have a chance. I know me. I show him every morning. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying my best to be a Christian. He said, don't ever lose that. It's when you stop being scared of something that you get careless. These these people that handle reptiles and snakes and poisonous animals and around things, they get careless because they stop. When did you get hurt when you had a bicycle and a ramp? When you wasn't afraid of it. Right? I got this. Hey, y'all. Watch this. Right? He said, don't ever stop being scared. As long as you're scared of that snake, you're not going to pick it up. Y'all with me? 
Miss Delancey, I think I seen you out there somewhere. You in where you Miss Delancey, you remember when John got bit by that snake? You remember that? We was in the emergency room. I walk into the emergency room and John's arm is all swole up. In the late, God is my witness. I was there. I would have never believed it, but I was there when it happened. The nurse walked in there with snake serum, shook it up and said, this is out of date, but it should still work. <laughs> God is my witness. Hand on the Bible. I was there when it happened. I looked at her and I looked at John. John looked at me and I said, you, hey, am I right? And I remember when Miss Delancey walked in the room, first thing she said is, John, tell me you wasn't picking that thing up. <laughs> I walked out, I need a coffee. <clears throat> John wasn't afraid, man. He loved them kind of things. He was just a daredevil, just wide open, just loved snakes and all that. But he got a little bit too careless. And it got him. Peter got careless. He was a little too confident in himself. He was a little too arrogant. And he got careless. Let me tell everybody in this room. All of us have potential to get careless. When you see somebody has fell in great sin, don't revel in it. The Bible says, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. And he said, the reason you need to do that is because you need to think about yourself. I'll tell you what, I would never cheat on my... Be careful. That same sin got the strongest man, got the wisest man, got the man after God's own heart, got the first man. Don't think you're immune he got careless. We see Peter's carelessness. And then we see Peter's collapse. Matthew 26, 69. Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I don't know what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, this fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou art also one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. And it will too, by the way. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Read it with me. And he went out and he went out and went bitterly. Oh, by the way, after they heard him cursing and swearing, they didn't accuse him of being with Christ anymore. What does that teach us? We need to watch our mouths. Amen? Listen. So far we got a mess. So far we've got the disciple that Jesus handpicked 
to be the leader. We've got the disciple that Jesus himself looked at and said, this old boy's got potential right here. I'm going to put my stamp on him. I'm going to give him the keys. Don't look real good right now. I wonder what the, I wonder what the other disciples are thinking. Huh. I bet he'd wish he'd pick somebody else. See, I can tell right now, I can tell right now, y'all do not use your imagination when you read your Bible. <laughs> Them disciples are human, right? I've been in church my whole life. Don't try to put on no front with me. I know how people think in church. A man messed up one day and came to our church and people from the church he used to be at saw him in this church and sent texts back to that church saying, guess who's here? My, how spiritual that is. You know what? I would, I would like to think if there's any church in Coleman County that somebody could come and feel safe after they messed up, it would be Temple. And I'm, I'm saying this, I'm not picking on nobody. I don't know who it was. I don't know who sent the text. I don't even care. So I can say what I want to say. If that's you, you need to put your phone down. No matter of fact, you need to get to this altar and fix your problem. If broken people can't feel like they can come to a place and get help and get restored... That's like sitting in the emergency room, seeing somebody over there with a cut off arm. Guess who's here? Where do you want him to go? Man, my lip is quivering. This bothers me. What if it was you? What if it was you that got into place in your life that you got careless and you fell and you stumbled and you did stuff you never thought you'd ever do in your life and you went out and wept bitterly and now you don't think, you can't think of any place you can go to and get help? That's why Jesus said, ye which are spiritual. You know that tells me about a lot in the church in America? Ain't a whole lot of spiritual people. If you can gloat, See, that's why it bothers me when I see people sharing the failures of others on Facebook. So-and-so got arrested. Let me share it. Let me make sure everybody sees this person's failure. That just, that's just not right. But I'm sure, I'm sure... Those other disciples, there was probably disciples that wanted to be in the inner circle. There was probably other disciples who wanted to be Peter, James, and John because they got to go see all the cool stuff. They got to be the closest to the master. And after they saw Peter who was... And by the way, too, Peter, he, 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 if, we, if we're going to be real honest, he probably earned some of that. Because when you are full of yourself, 
Everybody knows it but you. And, and, and they were probably thinking, hmm, especially, especially when Jesus warned them all and, and, and when Jesus warned them all and he said, they can all abandon you and be offended, but not me. How many, how many disciple eye rolls do you think he got? Right? So something's got to be done. Something's got to be done. The hand-picked disciple that Jesus picked to go be a main leader, because he was a main leader. And if you look in the book of Acts, the whole first part of Acts is Peter taking the lead, and the second part is Paul taking the lead. The hand-picked leader. Everybody knows he messed up. Everybody knows he denied him. And by the way, Jesus right away, this is really cool. Jesus right away, right after the resurrection, I mean, right away he started the process of restoration. Because if you'll remember, he said, go tell my disciples and he started it right away. And Peter, he still won. I don't think that was just for Peter's sake. I believe it was for their sake too. And, 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 and. By the way, by the way, there was, a, there was a secret meeting between Peter and Jesus. I believe he got his sins taken care of, and they had a, you're talking about a come to Jesus meeting. Right? And so, even after that, even after that, he said, I'm going fishing. I heard a preacher say one time, Peter was a project, Amen. I go fishing. He, he disobeyed and said, I'm going back. We're not going to hash all that out again. We did that last week. So here we are. Here we are. We're on the shore. <clears throat> We're on the shore. Jesus has fed them. And I, I, I'm so, <laughs> don't you love the tender actions of a shepherd with backslidden sheep? Instead of standing out there screaming at him, telling him, what are you doing out there? You, you know, you're not supposed to be there. I've done called you. To be fish fish. He made them something to eat. After they had dined, after they had ate, he said, all right, there's some stuff we need to take care of. There's some business we need to take care of. And he pinpoints Peter. And it's time to confront the issue. It's time to restore. And this is what I want you to write down. First thing we see, this restoration, this confronting it was personal. Write that down. It was personal. It was personal. Here's how, here's how this took place. Here's how this took place. Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Now let's stop at the first part of that. Simon, son of Jonas. Now if you study your Bible, you'll find out that the very first time that Jesus ran into Simon, his brother brought him to him. And when he ran into Jesus, the very first time Jesus met him, Jesus changed his name. It went from Simon to Cephas, which translated Peter. In other words, he said, and Peter means stone, means rock, stable, solid. 
You see, Jesus could see something in him, and he was, he was, he was naming him. You're not, you're not going to be known as Simon. You're going to be known as Peter, Cephas, rock, solid, stable. You're going to be, you're going to be a, a great hero of the faith. See, Jesus can see way down in... Uh, Y'all don't see a whole lot of potential sideways this way, but Jesus does, thank God. That's why Jesus tells none of us to be doing no judging. Because if we judge by looks in here, we'd get wrong a lot. Amen? And he says, you're going to be a rock. But what does he do? Now, Jesus calls him by his former name. Because he ain't acting like a rock now. Peter, you're acting like who you used to be. You're acting like your former self. You're acting like pre-Jesus person. This would be the equivalent, when he said this name like that, this would be the equivalent of your mama calling your whole name. Y'all with me? And when she said that whole name, you knew, uh-oh. Because the only time Jesus used this is when Peter was doing something stupid. Right? Simon, son of Jonas. Can you imagine how Peter felt in that moment? Boy, this was real personal. They were all fishing. They had all abandoned him, but he picked out Peter. It was personal. Simon, son of Jonas. Number two, not only was it personal, it was public. It was public. It was in front of everybody. 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 It was public. It says, after they had dined, they were all around the fire. They were all warming up. And Jesus addressed him publicly. I want to give you a verse and then read the, read the little note I put down there for you. 1 Timothy 5.19, Paul is speaking to Timothy and telling him how to address and deal with issues in the church. And he says, against an elder, receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. Them that sin, rebuke before that others also may fear. There are times to address something in public and there are times to address something in private. Peter and his Lord had already met privately and no doubt taking care of Peter's sin. You'll find that in Luke 24, 34. It's spoken again in 1 Corinthians 15, 5. But since Peter had denied the Lord publicly... It was important that there be a public restoration. Sin should be dealt with only to the extent that it is known. Private sin should be confessed in private. Public sins in public. Since Peter had denied his Lord three times, Jesus asked him three personal questions. He also encouraged him by giving a threefold commission that restored Peter to his ministry. So it was public. And it was supposed to be. It needed to be. Because the rest of the disciples, you see, sometimes, sometimes, you know, in the day we live in, church discipline and restoration is, is really almost taboo. I mean, we, we, we live in a day when that, it's, it's almost unheard of. You, 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 you see people 
that act a certain way. I mean, we've had to deal with issues in the church. Well, we didn't know about it. That's, that's right. Because you didn't know about it. We didn't make it a big, huge public issue because it wasn't a big public issue. We dealt with it on an individual basis. But then you will remember several uh, years ago we had to deal with something on a public issue and we dealt with it on a public way and confronted the issue and dealt with it. But you see, it's not just for the person who's done the wrong. Discipline and restoration, discipline and restoration is not just for the person who has failed or the person who has gotten careless and collapsed. It's also for you, everyone else. So you'll understand, I don't need to do that. I don't need to do that. But it's also so you can see, God will take me back. Because they were all probably talking about it. Come on now. They were all probably talking about what Peter said. They were all talking about how Peter acted and Peter was in hiding. He didn't want to get around nobody. Everybody knew about Peter's public failure. So Jesus had to let everybody know that I am a restoring God. I can fix what is broken. I can make better what has been made worse. I can take your greatest failures and turn them into your greatest triumphs. Listen, and by the way, church discipline is never, dealing with issues is never for the fact of harming or punishment. It's for the purpose of restoration. Because anytime Jesus disciplined somebody, when they got their act together, when they fell into line like they should have been, the discipline was over. Ask Jonah. Ask Jonah. Now you go ahead and backslide. You do what you need to do. You get on a, a, a ship headed to Joppa. God can find you. And God has a fish prepared for you. He's got his own transportation. In about, about three days, about three days in, the, in that in that. In that Billy, that fish was all Jonah. If you will just let me out of here, Lord, I will go preach like hellfire and brimstone. And you know what happened? Fish puked him up on land. And he, he did not stop till he got to Nineveh. I, 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 I grew up with a singing group sung a song about that. He ran through the brambles and he ran through the bushes and he ran through the place where the rabbit couldn't go. <laughs> ran so fast. Amen. Amen. On the way to Nineveh. Amen. And he, you know why the fish spit him up? God's through. He got right. Thank God that it's never for the sake of punishment. It's always for the sake of restoration. Amen. And I'll get to that in a minute. But we see, we see it was public. Why? Because it was a public denial. And there were, there were so many, and I, we, we're not going to hash that up. We got that. Does that make sense? Say amen. amen. Number three. Number three. Not only was it personal, it was public. But boy, was it penetrating. Man, it was penetrating. 
How many of y'all been in church long enough to know that God can hit you deep? He went straight to the core of the issue. Lovest thou me? I mean, he just went, and pardon the pun, went to the heart of the matter. You see this, he didn't say, why are you fishing? That's what we would have addressed the problem. The problem was in the boat. They ain't supposed to be in the boat. It's supposed to be on the mountain. That sounds like the problem to me. Jesus knew that wasn't a problem. That's just a symptom of the problem. Why are you leading these people astray, Peter? You know the influence you got on them. You go fishing. They go fishing. Man, can't you see what? Mm-mm. No, he, 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 Jesus doesn't beat around the bush. He's just going. Some of y'all have gotten so mad at me in counseling session. Because I, and, and if I remember, I warned you before we start. That right now I'm not your friend. I'm your counselor. And if I see it, I'm going to say it. And it's going to be blunt. In love. And man, that's what Jesus did to Peter. I mean, he just went for the heart. You love me? Peter, lovest thou me? I wonder why. I went back and, I went back and, and I, for the sake of time, I, I, I looked at the places in God's word, Deuteronomy, you remember Deuteronomy is the second law, the second reading of the law that Moses did right before the children of Israel went into the promised land. He's reminding them again. He's reminding them again what's most important. He's telling them so they won't forget what God told them at Sinai. Now, now, look, now look, he says, he says you, 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 you have to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And then Joshua does it again. And, and Joshua, right after they went in and conquered and after he's, he's dividing all the land and giving everybody the inheritance and he's fixing to step off the scene, but before he steps off the scene, he says, hey, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Teach it to your children. Put it on the lamppost. Put it everywhere you go. Talk about it when you get up. Talk about it when you lay down. But tell them, love God. It's brought up again a lawyer is trying to trip up Jesus. And said, so what's, the, what's the number one commandment? What's the greatest commandment? In other words, if I'm just going to follow one, what's the one I need to follow? What's the greatest commandment? What's the most important one? And listen, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And he, he is striking at the very heart of what motivated Peter to do what Peter does? Do you love me? You say, well, that's not important. What's important is what we do. No, it's not. Because if you go in the book of Revelation, you will find out that the very first church that is dealt with, the church of Ephesus, they were serving. They were laboring. They were working hard. And they didn't put up with sin. And Jesus bragged on all of that. But he said this, I have somewhat against thee because you've left your first And because you've left your first love, 
He said, remember from whence thou art fallen, repent and do thy first works, or else I will come quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place. The candlestick represented the presence of the Holy Ghost, the power of the Holy Spirit in the tabernacle. And he said, if you don't get your act right, if you don't get back to your first love, that real love, that true love, I will remove my presence. God doesn't just care about what you do. God cares about why you do it. He cares about your motivation. Why? Because it's going to be love for God that's going to get you through. If you're doing this to be religious, if you're doing this to pass the time of day when the temperature's turned up and when the thermostat runs up and listen, the heat is on and adversity comes, you will not make it. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? This is so important. It's so important. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. They that keep my word are those that love me. Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? And I want to say something about this. There's kind of a, I don't want to say a controversy, but maybe just a difference of opinion about something. Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Peter, lovest thou me more than these? I've read different commentaries, smart guys that I, I, I trust and and, 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 and I really, I read behind a lot. And two different guys, two different guys, smart guys, good guys, good Bible scholars, they, they disagree about what the these are. One, one believes that the these are the other disciples. And he makes the, he makes the argument that, you know, at, at the time when, when Jesus said, uh, uh, you're going to deny me? Not Peter. Oh, uh, uh, not me, not me. Uh, all of these can deny me. But I'm there. In other words, he's saying, I love you more than all these. That's, that's his argument for, for Jesus is confronting that. He's confronting that attitude. He's confronting that statement. Are you sure, Peter, that you love me more than all these? Talking about the people. But then, but then the other writer, he believes it's the fishes. The nets, the boats, because keeping in context for the chapter, he just come off the water. He's not supposed to be out there. He's supposed to be up on the mountain, and he's confronting this. He's keeping it in the context of the chapter, and he's saying he stepped back. Maybe he points at all those fish. Maybe he points at those great uh, fish in the net, and he looks at the boats, and he looks at all of these things. And he says, hey, Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? And that bothered me because I really didn't know what to tell you. Because I got confidence in both of these guys. And so what do you do? You pray about it. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to tell them tonight? What do you want me to tell them tonight? And this is what I believe the Holy Spirit laid on my heart. He said, he said you're looking at the wrong word. What do you mean I'm looking at the wrong word? He said the significant word is not the these. The significant word is the more. Because it doesn't matter what the these are. What matters is do you love me more than whatever the these are? Who I feel God bumps right there. <clears throat> the these is irrelevant. Because if we're going to be honest, we all have these. Some of it's our job. Some of it's our kids. Some of it's our spouses. Some of it's our hobbies. 
We all have things that are competing with God's love and competing with our commitment and our dedication and our love for the Lord. There's always going to be something we have to fight and we have to keep under subjection and we got to do everything we can to love God more than anything. So the these is irrelevant. It doesn't matter what the these are. I believe that's why God left it open-ended so you can put whatever your these is right there. And if we go back, if y'all will remember, if we'll go back and we'll look at when Jesus was talking about discipleship in disciples, he said, unless a man hate father and mother and sister and brother, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, we know he's using the hyperbole there with that word hate, but the word hate there literally means to love less. In other words, you got to love me more than mama. You got to love me more than daddy. You got to love me more than your kids. You got to love me more than your job. You got to love me more than your possessions. You got to love me more than everything in your life. You got to love me even more than your own life. You cannot be my disciple. That's why he's addressing Peter this way. Do you love me? He didn't say, do you trust me? Do you have faith in me? He said, do you love me? Because you're going to find a trial in your life. One day, because he, I'm not going to go into it tonight, but he's going to tell him about his crucifixion and his destiny. You're going to be killed. You're going to be martyred for your faith. And the only way that you're going to stand in the time of stress and difficulty is if you love me. Boy, did he. He loved him enough to say, hey, don't crucify me like my Lord. Turn me upside down. I'm not even worthy to be crucified like my Lord. Whoo, save me. If you look at that same chapter, he goes on to explain. How many of y'all would agree? How many of y'all would agree that kind of, in our own finite mind, in our human mind, that kind of seems like an extreme expectation. Because I'm telling you, I love my family. And to say I have to love something else than my child? Hello? See, now, let's, now we're putting it in real life. Now, whoo, that is, that's kind of steep. He goes on to say, and he talks about building a building. You remember? I don't have time to go to it, but you go, you go read. I think I put it in your notes. He says, listen, how many men decide to build a tower? And they start building. They got to do something. They got to do something before. So they'll make sure they have enough money to finish because if they don't finish, they're going to get made fun of. And, and, and how many generals or how many, how many uh, army leaders... When there's a, there's a fight to be had and there's a battle to be had, he's going to go check out how many he's fighting to see whether or not he needs to go ahead and go into battle or let's, let's get a peace treaty. And what was both of those related to and what did he call doing? What did he call that that, that was doing? Counting the cost. I've heard preachers say in preaching on the subject, you need to count the cost. No, you don't. No, you don't. The, count, the cost has already been counted. What is the cost? No reserves. The cost is this. Complete, 100% sell out to Christ, 100% commitment, 100% love for him above everything else. That is the cost of discipleship. You don't count the cost. It's already been counted. 
Peter, I'm fixing to leave this world. I'm fixing to go back to my father's house. And I need to know, do you, do you love me? Ladies and gentlemen, do you love him? If, if you don't, you're not going to make it. Because I'm telling you, we are living in bizarro world. I seen some things this week that bothered me, and I'm like, what, is, what are people thinking? How did we get to the place in this world where somebody thinks this is right, this is okay? The Bible said there's going to come a day when they'll call evil good and good evil. We're there, baby. We are there. And I'm telling you, the only thing that's going to get us through all this garbage is our love for Christ. Peter, do you love me? Man, what a penetrating question. That goes straight to the heart of the matter. That skips everything. That goes to our motive for why we do what we do. Do you come to church so you can hang out with your buddies or do you come to church because you love Jesus? You say, why is that important? Because there's going to come a day when they're going to hold a gun at the door and shoot you if you come. And if you love Jesus, you're going to come anyway. We're so spoiled in America. We're so spoiled in America. In China, in Vietnam, they are crawling through jungles on their hands and knees in the middle of the night to, to, to be with their Christian brothers and sisters. And they'll do that and risk their own life because they love Jesus. We'll stay home if it rains. Peter, you're not going to be able to do what I'm calling you to do. You're not going to be able to make it with the great responsibility you have unless you love me. Peter, do you love me? Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, the third time, we know, I, I'm not going to play the numbers, I, you know, I don't know if he did it because he denied him three times. I, I don't know or whether he's just trying to make a point. That's irrelevant. It really is. Sometimes we can over-spiritualize stuff and try to, it, it doesn't matter. The point is this, do you love me? Because if you love me, I got a great responsibility for you. Feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. But there's something happening at that third one. What was, the, what was the points? Give me the points. First, we see it was, it was personal. Number two, it was public. Number three, it was penetrating. Number four, it was painful. Painful. Peter was grieved. It bothered him. It bothered him. I like going to church. <clears throat> I like going to church and being uplifted. I like going to church and being encouraged. How many of y'all been through hell in a handbasket before? And barely made it through the door, bleeding, broken, battered, and bruised. And then God just gave you exactly what you needed. That's some, I like that. I like it when it's uplifting. I like, it's, I like when it's encouraging. I like when, when it helps you make it another day. I, I like it when I can leave with a smile. 
I like it when I can say, oh, yeah. But sometimes, if it's right, if you go to the right church, you're not going to be leaving saying, oh, yeah. You're going to be leaving saying, oh, me. Peter was grieved. You know why he was grieved? Because Jesus hit the spot. Don't you love when you're laying on the table at the doctor's office and he's poking around and he hits that spot and you get real spiritual on him? And he knows that's the spot. He hit Peter in the spot. It grieved him. You see, we're living in a society in a day where we don't want any kind of discomfort. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to just be honest with you. If, if I got a pill that'll make me quit whatever it is, I'll take it. I've heard women brag about not taking the epidural. That's stupid to me. <laughs> I might not should have said that, but I'm just telling you, that's stupid. <laughs> if it's anything like what y'all say it feels like, drug me up, honey, stick it, get right here. We're going to edit that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, if I got a headache, I'm going to take a Tylenol. But we're living in a society where we don't want any kind of discomfort, especially at church. So anytime the preacher goes to stepping on the toes, huh? I, I got Bible. I'm not, I'm not making this up. I got Bible. Timothy, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when people will heap upon themselves teachers having itching ears. In other words, they just want to come and hear what's fun. Hear what's good. I'm blessed. I'm too blessed to be stressed. <laughs> come live with me a while. I'll change your little cliche. I'm favored. I'm, <laughs> I hear it all. When I hear that, I just say, I'm hungry. <laughs> I mean, I just. But how many of y'all would agree with me? Sometimes God has to get on us. We can say what we want to about old Pete. But boy, he did some awesome things. When's the last time you preached or taught a Sunday school lesson and saw thousands converted? How many, how many books of the Bible you got in there? But with that, he had issues. He had a personality. He had problems. But God could see his potential. I love that song that says, God looked beyond my faults and saw my need. Amen? Now, I'm going to read something. Because sometimes y'all get mad when I say stuff in here. 
Usually not y'all. Y'all are dedicated. Y'all keep coming back. <laughs> but there are, now let's be honest, how many times, sometimes the word will just chap us a little bit. Let's be honest, come on. Let's read. Hebrews 12, 5. Hebrews 12, 5 is right there in your notes. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son. How many are glad God treats us like family? My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. Don't be mad when God has to get your attention. Don't be mad when it seems like the preacher's parking in your garage beeping the horn. He says, don't, don't despise thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. You know why? For whom the Lord, for whom the Lord, he chasteneth. If God is whipping your britches, that's a good sign. That's a good sign. He scourgeth how many sons? That means all of them. All right? So don't think you're going to be excluded if you get ignorant on the Lord. He's going to whoop you. Amen? Now watch. He scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. In other words, as family. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. If you think you're getting away with something and you claim to be saved, then God's not correcting you and scourging you, chastening you, rebuking you, and making your life miserable. You're, that's a scary place. Because the Bible says your confession is illegitimate. It's illegitimate. If you claim to be saved and a part of the family of God and God doesn't chasten you in your sin, if you can practice your sin regularly on and on and God not correct you and not, God not get your attention, you don't belong to Him. See, that's the difference. That, that's where a lot of the charismatic assembly in, in, in the Baptist, we have a cross on. They say, well, you just believe you can do anything and, 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 and be all... No, we don't. We believe if you're truly saved, God is going to beat your britches off till you get right. You belong to him. You're in the family now. You can't just do whatever you want to do. You can't just live any way you want to live. He went after Jonah. He went after Peter. When the, night, when the day came, Jesus was standing on the shore confronting those disciples that had disobeyed. He said, hey, y'all got any meat? How's that life working out for you? That's right. Amen, preacher. That's good stuff right there. I, I agree 100%. Preach on. That's the Bible. That's biblical. Amen. <laughs> Furthermore. See, that's verse 9. Y'all thought I was just saying that. Verse 9. Doesn't it say that? What's the first word? <laughs> Furthermore. We have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us. And you know what we did for them? We gave them. My dad's sitting right there. He's, I love my dad, and I reverence my dad. He, cor he corrected me. <clears throat> but I don't, I don't, 
I don't live in hate and grudges. Get mad, I'm not going to speak to you again. Like church people do. We reverence them. That's what he's saying. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure. But he for our... See, (laughs) I don't think dad's ever said this. This hurts me more than it hurts you because that's a lie right there. (laughs) But we've heard the statement, this is for your good. It's for our profit. God doesn't discipline us because he's mad at us. So how do you know that? Because he knew you was going to do it before you did it. Now, we sometimes discipline because we're mad. They've been pushed us to the brink. We're mad. We're mad. I don't know if it's going to do you any good, but it's going to do me good when I... But see, God's not like that because he already knew you were going to do what you were going to do before you did it. And, and when you did it, he's doing whatever it takes to get you to restore you. It's for your profit. Right? That we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, here's the deal, guys. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. But what was Peter? He was. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. What happened? Because of the chastening, because of the correction, because Peter's attention, Jesus got Peter's attention. Peter acknowledged his failure. What did he say? Lord, you know everything. First he said, yeah. Yeah, I love you. Second time. Yeah, I love you. Third time. You know everything. You know everything. You know all things. You know I love you. Whatever I have, you know it. Peter had to come to the end of himself. Ladies and gentlemen, by the way, by the way, I have done went way over, but I'm going to get this out. When I preach something, I don't know what you did that week. Okay? Can we establish that fact tonight? But the Holy Spirit does. I'm just a mailman. People have said to me on multiple occasions, did she tell you? (laughs) No, but you just did. (laughs) Us that's not (laughs) embarrassed right now, and looking down like we're praying. 
Can we all admit there's been times we walked into church and we thought the preacher, we was the only one in the whole auditorium. And the preacher could be looking that way, but eyes are pointing that way. The Holy Spirit knows. And the best thing to do is don't get an attitude. Don't try to figure out how the preacher knew. Just understand, God's trying to bless me. God's trying to get my attention for my profit. For my profit. This don't feel good. I don't like it. I don't like being confronted. I don't like, I don't like being cut to the heart. I'm grieved right now, but boy, there's some, there's some good days ahead. If I will submit to the correction. And all God's people say it. Because remember, it's not about anger. God already knew you was going to do it before you did it. It's not about punishment. It's about restoration. Restoring those that have fallen. And all God's people say it. Dear Heavenly Father, 